Amen. Um, well, you guys can take a seat for the moment. <laughs> um, I just want to thank God for my salvation. I'm thankful for his grace and mercy upon my life because um, no matter what season I've been in and how I've responded to them, he's continued to remain faithful and he's continued to remain the same. And I also want to thank Pastor and Sister Chawla for not only the opportunity um, for allowing me to speak tonight, but, you know, they've pulled me in, they've kept me close, they've poured into me, um, they've rebuked me when I needed it, thank God, um, but they've continued to love on me, and so I'm just so grateful for them. And I'm also grateful for my parents for, you know, interceding for me when I was out in the world, you know, thinking I was living my best life, you know, depressed every day still, but trying to make things work. But they prayed for me to come in, and I'm just grateful for their exampleship and, you know, for everything that they've done. And so I'm just going to go ahead and pray in. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just come before you tonight, God, and we just ask, Lord, that you move me to the side, Lord, that you use me, God, that I'm a transmitter of your word tonight, Lord. I pray that you use clarity, God, and just have your way tonight. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm just going to read a scripture. Um, you know, I'm so blessed to be back from gang convention. Um, it was powerful for me. It was it was a different type of gang convention. You know, I've gone before and I've gone like, man, you know, I can't wait. You know, God's going to move in this. And I was like, not really, you know, taking in what God had for me. And, and this gang convention, I came and, and I went desperate, you know, and I wanted a word from God. And I was so, you know, I wanted to hear something that I can hold on to, that I can transmit to this generation. And I thank God, you know, for the gang. I thank God for the ministry that they continue to set up these, you know, atmospheres where the young people can come together, where we can hear a word from God, where he can speak to us directly, where we can separate from the bills, right? separate from our day-to-day and you know I just I love and I thank God for you know this gang convention and like how many of you guys heard what they were just speaking like a lot of them were talking about the third wave and you're like what the heck is the third wave you know but they were speaking on it they're speaking on the third wave and it's a third wave of revival and they're saying it's here you know the, the first generation experienced it. The second generation, right, experienced it when we expanded into just the nations. And now the third wave is coming. And they're saying it's bigger than ever. And they were not only speaking on the third wave, but our third promise. And so I'm going to go ahead and read a scripture in Isaiah 59, 21. And it reads, as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you will not depart from you. My words that I have put in your lips will be on your lips and on the lips of your children and on the lips of their descendants. From this time on and forever, says the Lord. And I believe, man, that God was like speaking to me because I was like, man, God, like, you know, give me some words, show me some things that I need to work on in myself. And, you know, these little things were just coming out at me. And, and God said, man, this is our promise. You know, it's not just Isaiah 45, 2 and 3. It's not just Isaiah 54, 2 and 3, but it's Isaiah 59, 21. And, you know, that has to do with not just our generation, but the generations to come. And if that doesn't make you guys excited, then I don't know what will, because it's not just us, but it's those in Kids Gang that are going to come and inherit the nations, that are going to go out there, that are going to be standing behind this pulpit. And I'm just excited. And, you know, he said that his words, you know, will be on our lips in our, in our next generations. And his word is the Bible, right? So that means that his word is the treasures out of darkness, you know, hidden riches in secret places. His words is the descendants dispossessing nations and settling in desolate, desolate cities. 
And man, I was just so broken because I'm like, man, God, well, what do I need to do? What can I do to make sure that my generation receives this? What can I do to make sure that I'm a transmitter of this promise? And some key things that stepped out to me was he said, well, in order for it to be your promise, it has to be your responsibility. And I was like, all right, God, well, what can I do to make this my responsibility? And he said, you need a disciple. And I was like, okay, (laughs) all right. And I know that's something that we've been hearing and I felt like it was confirmation. And I know for me, it could be scary because you have to be, you know, transparent. You got to let them into your life, to your day to day, not just coming to church, not just seeing them at gang nights and having fun, but letting them into my day to day when I'm having a bad day, right? When I'm going to work and I come home and people are yelling at me all day, but letting them see that side of me, right? And so I was like, all right, God, I'm going to disciple. And he said, and it just made me think, because how many of you guys teach in Kids Gang, right? And you're in there, and you're like, okay, you know, you need to do this, and you need to be kind, and blah, blah, blah. And then you say it, and then you go and do something else, right? Your action is so different, and they're the first ones to be like, but you told me, right, that I need to be kind, and I need to do this, and remember, and you were doing this on, they'll tell you the date, right? They'll tell you the time, they'll tell you the shirt you were wearing when you were telling them, because they remember it all. And it just, you know, God was just reminding me that, man, Selena, you need to make sure that, you know, you're transparent, that who you are in public is who you are behind closed doors. And I just felt like God was saying that we need a generation of consistency. And not only do we need to feel the responsibility, but we need to have a commitment. You know, and it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, so we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. When we're committed, it's in our hearts, right? When we're committed, we're invested. And I believe that the call of God is our daily goal, that we have to make it our commitment to surrender our hearts, that our decisions need to be pleasing to him. You know, and something stuck out to me and it said, and one of the speakers said, when God calls a man, he requires one thing and that's everything. And I was like, oh shoot, you know, cause sometimes you're like, man, God, whatever it is that you require of me, you know, I'll do for you. If you want me to stop listening to this music, I'll do it. If you want me to dress a certain way, I'll do it. You know, but God's saying that's all great, but I need everything. I need that little piece inside the back of your heart that you won't let go. And I was so broken. Cause I said, man, God, how am I going to make sure that this third promise comes out pure? If I'm keeping something deep inside of me, you know, if I'm not transparent with who I am. And so I just went desperate, hoping that God would just do a new work inside of me, you know, because if we're not careful, you know, sometimes something else that stuck out to me was, man, sometimes we look for advice everywhere else, right? We're like, man, God, you know, I want to be used by you. I want to just love on you and all this. But sometimes we don't realize that we have closer relationships to those around us than we do with Jesus. And You know, it was a heart check for me because I know sometimes it's easy for me to go out and have fun, but it's harder for me to go and spend those quiet times, those private moments. And that's when um, I learned that, man, we can become top heavy. And that's when we know how to do it. You know, we know the rules. We know the regulations. We know what we're supposed to do, but we have no heart behind it. And I said, man, God, I don't want to be top heavy. Like, I want to make sure that what I'm doing isn't just works, but it's something that I believe in. It's something that they're internalizing. It's something that they can see. And so, you know, and the anointing isn't found in the knowing. It's found in the doing. And so I can't just know, but I want to be a doer of the word. Amen. And the one other thing that stuck out to me was not only to have the responsibility and commitment, but I need to have a willingness. You know, our generation needs to learn that, man, we don't need to just be obedient. 
You know, obedient is an action, you know, but willingness is our attitude behind it. And they kept saying, man, the third wave is coming. The third wave is here. And I want to make sure that what I'm saying, what I'm transmitting to this generation is pure because what's coming off of my lips is going to come off of theirs. The actions that I do are going to be the actions that they do. And I want to make sure that I'm not watering it down, you know, because if this vision is going to keep going, then I need to make sure that I'm doing anything that I can do, no matter the cost, to have a willing heart through it all. Amen. And so I just want to close with that. But man, I went there and I asked God to, you know, I, I recommitted myself to him. I said, Lord, no matter what I go through, no matter what I face, then I'm going to continue to serve you. And he, you know, the devil's real. You know, he don't wait till you're at home. You know, he, he hit me on the way home. But I still told God, I said, no matter what, I'm going to praise you. No matter what I face, it's all you, God. I'm going to worship you through it all. And so I just came here, man, excited for what 2019 has because I can't refocus. I can't wait to see what the gang girl ministry is going to do with, the, you know, the new changes that are taking place with the fire that's up inside of me. And I'm just excited for what God's going to do. Amen. So if we can just bow our head and close our eyes. Heavenly Father, I just come before you tonight, Lord, and I just thank you for the word that you brought forth, Lord. I pray, God, that you seal it with inside of our hearts, God. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give God some praise here tonight. Amen. Powerful word, powerful word. And I'm going to get right into it. If you could turn your Bibles to Isaiah 54, 2 and 3, and that's the second part of the promise. She was talking about the third part. This is the second part. Isaiah 45, 2 and 3 is the first part of what God's going to do. Isaiah 54, 2 and 3 is what God has called us to do. And then the third is the third wave. Amen. And I just want to take this time to thank Pastor and Sister Chella for, you know, the opportunity for even discipling me and, and training me up and uh, to be the man of God that God has called me to be. I want to thank my mom and I want to thank the leadership and even Pastor Sonny and Sister Julie for everything that, that they did to pioneer this, this, this ministry of victory outreach. How many of you guys are grateful for this ministry of victory outreach that is called to reach treasures out of darkness? Amen. And also Pastor Steve Pineda and Pastor Josie for everything that they did to answer the call to come up to Northern California, a place that they never been to, to come up and start this church here that's planted many churches even across the world. Amen. And I want to thank God. I want to thank God for saving me because I might, I might have got saved at a younger age, at, at 18 where God didn't allow me to get too deep into the world where I had to go through things that my dad went through. I didn't go through things where my stepdad went through. I didn't go through things that my mom went through and the generational curses that is upon my family. I didn't have to go too deep into it. And I'm grateful for what God has done in my life. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you and we just thank you, God, for your presence here tonight, God. I pray that the word goes forth the way that it's supposed to, God, that you get all the honor and all the glory, God. I pray that hearts are open to receive your word here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah 54, 2 and 3 in the New Living Translation says, Enlarge your house, build an addition, spread out your home, and spare no expense. For you will soon be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. 
I like in the New King James Version, the ending of that uh, says, and your descendants shall inherit nations. And inherit in the Hebrew is yarash, a primitive root to occupy by driving out previous tenants and possessing in their place. By implication, it means to seize, to rob, also to expel, to impoverish, to ruin, cast out, consume, destroy, dispossess, to drive out without fail, to take possession, seize upon, and succeed. And if that doesn't stir you up here tonight, I don't know what will because we are the descendants that are called to take the nations. We are the descendants that are called to reach this city. We are here on purpose for purpose. When Pastor Steve came up to Northern California to start this church, it wasn't just because it was a good idea. It was because it was God's idea, God's plan, God's purpose for your life. There are souls out there dying. There are people out there dying. When I work, I work in San Francisco. I see drug addicts, gang members. I see it all. I see the business people. Uh, there's a whole, it's a, it's a sea of souls. But are we are we getting used to seeing them struggling that we don't we don't see and feel it anymore to go and reach out to the treasures out of darkness that this is the third wave that the pioneers they they were saying God give me souls lest I die the second the second wave came and they said God give me souls the third generation which is now is give me where did we lose God? Give us souls lest we die. Sister Julie was preaching in the leadership, and she was saying, she was saying that when she first got saved, it was a rat, like she was radical, that she made a commitment unto God, that she would save a soul every single day. Where did we lose that passion of the pioneers? Do we hear the cry of this world or do we just learn how to tune it out? There's this, there's this skit that I seen even back when I was in the gang. Is Some of you guys might have heard it or heard about it or even seen it. It's called A Letter from Hell. And it's basically about two friends that grew up together. One friend saved and one friend's not. The friend that isn't saved, he gets drunk, he gets in a car accident, he dies. And, he start, and he's narrating the whole story. It's on YouTube. You can see it. But he's narrating the story, and he's basically writing a letter to his friend that was saved that never shared the gospel. And he's telling him what he's experiencing. He said that, that it felt more real than here on earth. And just think about it. He's going into hell because his friend didn't tell him about Jesus. And at the end of the letter, he says, I wish you were here. That's deep. When you see the news and you see, I got this new app. It's called the Newsbreak app. I don't know if you guys heard about it, but that app updates me on everything. I don't really watch the news, but that app keeps me updated. There's people dying, ODing. There's bomb threats. There's, there's, uh, there's uh, people getting shot daily, even in the Bay Area. I remember uh, one, of my, one of my theas, she had a, a police scanner, and... And when you have a police scanner, you hear everything that goes on. 
not just what the social media or the news want to show you, but there's a big need in our city. And another thing, so going back to the letter from hell, so the response from the one that was saved, he said, don't bother me. He goes, I got my own problems. Don't bother me. I know that I hear the cry. I know that you, there's, peop, there's souls out here dying, but don't bother me. I got I to gotta, I gotta focus on myself. I got to do what I need to do. How many of us have turned into that Christian, that believer that said, don't bother me? Do you remember when you first got saved, the gratefulness that you had, the fire that you had? I had to even self-reflect. Where did my fire go when I was in the UTC? Did it grow or did it just maintain or did it die? When you were in the home, that fire that you came in because God, you were so grateful that God broke the generational curse, that God has set you free from the drug addiction, that God has set you free from homosexuality, that God has set you free from a broken home, from that hurt that you had in your heart. Where did that go, that passion? We could get caught up in our own problems, but we can't lose our passion for souls. And this year has been the hardest year of my life. Well, I've been we, me and my family has been experiencing death since 2010. When my uncle Danny passed away on my birthday, which is on Thanksgiving, and then his daughter, his 17-year-old daughter, got, died in a car accident here on 8th Street. Um, not even a month later, December 23rd. And then after that, losing my grandpa, losing my, uh, my aunt, losing, you know what I mean, my uncle. In the UTC, I lost my uncle, and it's just like, man, God, like, I'm serving you. I'm doing, I'm doing what you call me to do. Why is it getting hard? The hardest things that I faced was not in the world. It's being saved. Where does it say in the Bible that it's going to get easier when you get saved? It's the hardest decision, the, hard, the biggest decision, but also the hardest thing that you would ever experience in life is being saved. You think the devil is going to let you save these souls? You think it's going to be easy because you got saved? Think of it like this. God, you get saved. God gives you all everything that you need right here. God gives you everything that you need. The instructions, everything that you need to do to answer the call. He knows it's going to be hard. But if we don't get into this word, it's, it, everything in it is going to be worthless. Like It's not going to work. It's like having a big old artillery, tanks, and everything like that, but you don't even know how to drive it or shoot it. So the enemy don't even see you as a threat. Yeah, you're saved. Yeah, I'm saved. I'm saved. But... The devil don't see you as a threat because you don't even know how to use the weapons that God has given you. My, my point, my first and my last point is faith. We need faith. Faith, the definition of faith is, is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. A strong belief in God based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. So believing that even though you don't get a phone call from God saying, this is exactly what I want you to do, doesn't mean that God has not called you. We have that faith 
to believe that the miracles of God are still happening here today. Not just when we invite someone like Tony Kemp to come and do miracles. We could do the same miracles, but we need to put in that work. We need to believe and have that faith that the pioneers had that, that set the drug addicts free, to set the prisoners free, to set the gang member free, to set the homosexual homosexuals free. The down and depressed set them free. We hold that through God, through Jesus. God saves you not for yourself, but for the souls. One thing that hit me was Pastor Sonny said that we are just starting and he's finishing up. We the gang, we have a future. If we don't catch it, the vision will die. And is 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 he's just talking about in general. He was specific, spe, being specific with the gang, but it's us, every single person here in this room. If we don't catch this, the the vision will die. It's crazy. God was even speaking to me even in the uh, leadership when we were having the gift exchange. You know, somebody already you know you pass a gift, and whoever passes the gift, you know, the next person that. You know what I mean? That got the gift. They passed the gift. But then the ones that already got a gift, that already passed it, and then they get their gift, they're like, oh, well, you know, I don't, I don't got a gift to go. And then it's like, well, who else is going to go? Who wants to go? Who wants to go? And it's, and it's a trip. Like, are we going to let when, when, you know, when the mantle gets passed down, you know what I mean? When, when it's time for us to rise up, are they? Are somebody just gonna stand up and go, or is they just gonna be like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. I'm like, well, who wants to go? And nobody wants to go because we haven't been preparing. Now, the faith that w- that we once had is gone. And so, and so, it's up to us to rise up and fight. We need to fight for your family. We need to fight for these lost souls. We need to fight for these treasures out of darkness because if we don't, who will? God has made us a specific and intentional ministry for the end times. We're an end times ministry. We're an end times ministry that we're an elite group that go in and reach treasures. We reach, we reach treasures out of darkness. I don't know many ministries that do this. There's not many ministries. We are the only ones that really do this. And so even right here it says, Hayward is our pulpit, but the world is our congregation. Is that just a good saying or are we living it out? And so here tonight, I just want to say, you know, that it's that faith. And even the ones that have that faith, but it got rocked, that it got shook. Like it, like it did for me when I lost my grandma, when my mom lost her mom. It was a hard time, and my faith got rocked, and it really showed me what I really built my relationship and built my faith on. And I'm grateful for our leaders, for our, our founders, for the great exampleship, even here in the front row, that teach us to stand and to fight. To, we're not being discipled unto Pastor Stevon and Sister Chella. We're being discipled unto God. And that's the main thing. Like, we might dress the same. You might see us with the same jacket at times. But, no, it's, 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 I'm my own person. If, we, if I'm trying to be like Pastor Stevon, I'm, I'm settling for second best always. 
God has called you to be the number one best for who he's called you to be. And we're not trying to be like any other ministry. We're not trying to be all sharp and fancy, but we're trying to be who God has called us to be. Amen. And so I want to close with a word of prayer. Father God, we come before you and I just pray that your word sinks deep into your congregation's heart, God. That they will see the seat next to them, God, and it was, something will be burning inside of them, God, to go and fill that seat with the treasure, God. And I just pray right now, God, for, for Damien as he's going to come up and, and speak, God, next. I pray that your anointing will fall upon him, God, and you will use him, God. And, and, and I just pray right now, God, for your Holy Spirit to flood this altar, turn this whole building into your altar right now, God, that the people driving by and the people walking by will feel your presence, God, that they will be drawn to you, Father God, and that our fire, God, will be rebirthed in your name. Amen. Amen. Um, if you guys could please stand to your feet with me for one minute. And right there where you're at, if you can just give God a radical praise. Just praise the one who set you free. The one who broke every chain in your life. The one who's called you by name. He knew you before the foundations of the earth. He knows every hair on your head. He's called you by name. He loves each and every one of you, and his name is Jesus. I'm so grateful to be here today, to be with each and every one of you. I'm grateful for my salvation. Um, thank you, Pastor. I'm grateful for, for my leaders, Pastor Stevon, Sister Chella. Grateful for my home directors, Pastor Greg, Sister Debbie. And I'm grateful for the gang. Um, grateful for the team that I'm a part of, Brother John, Daniel, Sister Selena. Um, you guys are awesome. Thank you guys for everything, for just uh, being my co-laborers. Um, today, I want to talk to the older generation. God's given me a word, and um, because us as the gang, we need you guys. We need your guys' guidance. We need your guys' rebukes, and we need your guys' love. We need to know that you guys are backing us up, and that's by not forgetting about us. And so if you guys will please open your Bibles to Psalm 71, 18. And the word of the Lord reads, Now that I am old and gray, do not abandon me, O God. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Once again, Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your grace, your mercy, my God. I just ask right now, Lord, that you bring forth your word, my God, with uh, clarity, understanding, and conviction, my God. We love you. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation. Somebody say the now generation. You see, we as the gang, we look to you guys for guidance. We look to you guys because it's you who are leading us. And I just asked, like, there's a brother that I live with. And um, wonderful man of God has a beautiful heart. 
And, um, but to see him move sometimes, it, it hurts me. And I go, man, dude, he's going through pain. Like, he's really going through pain. And I remember he had set a doctor's appointment. And I was like, man, a, the, a few of us were like, I wonder what the results are going to be. We're praying for him. I was worried. And um, I remember coming home from work one day. And it was the day of his doctor's appointment. And there he is in the living room. Never done this before. And he's just, and I go, brother, brother, what are you doing? I go, what the doctor said? He goes, oh, so the doctor tells him, oh, you're just out of shape. Stretch. And I go, is that it? And he goes, that's it. And I wonder now if us that are in our older age, if we're still willing to stretch spiritually, if we're still willing to grow or is, has our attitude become, I've already done my time. Now it's time for the now generation. Or is it, I'm too old to do this now. So I'm just going to sit back and relax. Because that's the wrong attitude if that's our attitude. Because we have a generation who's hungry for the things of God. We have a generation who needs what you guys have. That's victory. That's authority that we may not know about yet, but we haven't fought those, victory, those battles yet. But to see victory in your guys' life, that gives us courage. That gives us hope. That's even in our mission statement, that we are to take the hope of, and plan of Jesus Christ to every generation. And that's what this psalm is believed to be written by David, where he's saying even the generations to come to every generation, even in my old age, Lord, give me the power to declare your power to these next generations. I don't know if, if a few of you may feel, um, feel too old or just even too tired, but understand and remember that Moses was 80 when God called him to set the people of Israel free from Egypt. He was 80 years old. Abraham was 75 when God called him out of Haran, and he, and he, and he left his country with complete faith in God and where he's going to lead him. And one of my favorite characters in the Bible, I can't ever forget about, is Caleb. Caleb was 85 years old when he went to his leader, Joshua, and said, you know what, even though I'm 85, I feel as the same age, 40 years old, when God gave me the promise that he will give me that mountain and my descendants. That's what Caleb said to Joshua. He said, even though I'm 85, I feel as strong as I did 40 years ago when God gave Moses the promise to give me. And he said, give me that mountain. I look to brothers like Frank who still go in the prison system to reach the next generation. I look at Sister Bev who still hits the streets to reach this hurting and lost generation. Why? Because they understand that without them, this next generation dies. We've heard our, our founders say it over and over and over again. And it's not to be taken lightly. We can't take this decree lightly. That even in my old age, I will declare your power to every generation to come after me. And God, and God impressed this on my heart because... I don't want to say we lost, but there was a generation we had in the game, about 40 to 50 strong, and it was a few months, and I, and I feel, man, God, what did I do wrong? How did we lose the bike riders, God? They were coming, every life group, they were tithing. 
every life group hungry for the things of God. Lord, what did I do wrong? Did you pick the wrong? I was questioning God. Did you, am I the right guy, Lord? Hurting, Lord. They're on my heart every day. I've even talked with Brother Matt. Matt, we got to get them back. Because I know God didn't bring them for just one little season. No, I know God has a plan and a purpose for their lives too. Just as he does for you and me. And I go, man, Lord, what did I do wrong? What, what can I do? Lord, I abide in you, Lord. And you abide in me. Where's the fruit? Where's my fruit? I've been struggling. I go to Pastor Greg every day. Man, Pastor Greg, are you sure? Are you sure? And he's encouraged me. He encouraged me. Encouraged me. But thank you, Pastor Greg. And God put this. He gave me this scripture. And he said, just keep declaring my power. The generation is listening. We're listening to you guys. Don't forget about us. We're here. You may see us in the halls. Well, you know why? Because we're going to have our own services one day. We're going to have our gang services where you're not going to see us in here because we're going to be in our own gang services, worshiping and praising God. We already have a worship leader right there. Come on, Sister Maria. I know you guys see her up here every Sunday. Faithful. Faithful. And I just want to thank each and every one of you who, who sponsored our youth to go to gang convention. We, we don't forget that. We know who sponsored us. We're grateful for that. Why? Because you invested. You invested in us. And I'm so grateful for that. As a leader, thank you. On behalf of the gang, on behalf of our youth, thank each and every one of you. Even those who supported in our fundraising. Because we couldn't have got there without you guys. And it's that we see that. We see that. We know that. And we stand on that. Why? Because that's a promise that we have to inherit the nations and the desolate cities. That's been given to us. One thing I love about Caleb is he reminds me of Pastor Sonny Sr. Pastor Sonny Sr., 79 years old, still saying, God, give me that mountain. Even though I'm 79 years old, I feel like the day I started in 1967 uh, with radical prayer to take every nation that you give me, everywhere I step my foot, you have given me. Now he's not saying, God, give me a, a mountain. He's saying, God, give me Panama. Now he's saying, God, give me Australia. And these are who paved the way. I think about Pastor Steve. I never even met him, but I hear the stories. And I hold them dear to my heart. Why? Because when he was on his hospital bed, he said, here, son, go take this flyer to that man. He may, we don't know if he knows Jesus. Why? Because he knew that we need to reach every generation. There he was, give him a flyer, still evangelizing from his hospital bed. That's, that's in us. That's been instilled. That's our DNA. That's the DNA that goes through every generation, every generation. And as you heard the, the past speakers speak of the third wave, there's a third wave rising up. And this third wave starting in the deep end. You can't catch this wave in the shallow end. You're not going to catch it if you're just standing in the water's ankle deep. You got to be in the deep end. Why? Because it's in the deep end where you depend on the sole power of God. We can't do it on our own. I can't catch this wave on my own. I, take, I'm, I need to hear from you guys. I need to learn from you guys. Brother Frank, Brother Abraham, I need to hear from you guys how to catch this wave. And it's in the deep end, like I said, where we depend solely upon God. And I'll close with this. Izzy Vasquez hit a point that really stuck with me. 
And he said, we have to see with those behind us in mind. That's every generation after us. Because Pastor Sonny Jr. said, yeah, this is the third wave, but it's not the last wave. So there's more waves to come. There's more waves to come. And far be it from me to say after the third wave, I did my job. No, because it's still my job to preach to the fourth wave, the fifth wave, the sixth wave, until God calls me home. That's my job. That's why I'm here. So I'm going to keep preaching on God's power and the, the miraculous things he's done in my life. But here's what happens if we don't do that. Judges 2.10 says this. The pioneer generation was the first wave. The Joshua generation was the second. We're now on the third wave of revival. But hear this. I'll start in uh, Judges 2, verse 8. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. They buried him in the land he had been allocated at Timnath, Sarah, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. Now catch this. This is a Joshua generation. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. We need you. The now generation needs the Joshua generation. Yeah, they, Joshua took them into the promised land. But as we read here that when that generation died, they didn't instill or impart into the next generation the things that God had done in their life. And they forgot. They didn't remember the things God did is what the word says. How many of us ever come off of 580? Right there on Foothill. Exit 580 to Foothill. This is what our generation is facing. When you come off of 580 on Foothill, you'll see, one, a massage parlor that will rip your marriage and your family apart in an instant. Right next door to it, you see a psychic reading. Next door to that, you see a marijuana dispensary. And right above the three of those, you see a huge billboard that says, Welcome to the Garden of Eden. That's what our generation is facing today. That it's okay to do that. And and it says that you're in the Garden of Eden. If that doesn't smack God in the face, I don't know what does. Go to our schools and you'll see what they're preaching there. That, oh, if, if... you feel like a girl, you could be a girl even though you're a boy. That if you're a, a, a girl, you can be a boy. It all depends on how you feel. And they're saying that it's okay. And that's what our children are being raised with. So I just want to encourage the older generation. We need you guys. If we'll please stand to our feet. Another thing that's going on in our nation alone, this is just in America. From ages 15 to 19, every 100,000 adolescents, ages 15 to 19, nine of them committed suicide. 
I can't deal with that. I can't handle that. Woe to me if I don't tell our youth, the now generation, about the one who loves them. That when they feel like slitting their wrist or popping a full bottle of pills to end it, that there's someone who cares about them. That there's someone who knows them. That there's somebody who loves them. And his name is Jesus. I want to encourage you that you're never too old. Christianity is one generation away from dying. We've heard that before. One generation away. So I encourage you, this third wave, yeah, it's the gang. But it's for each and every one of you as well. That when this wave rises up, don't be in the shallow. Be in the deep end. And we're right there with you. We're right there riding this wave together. So I just say, if any of these messages spoke to you about our descendants inheriting the nations, what can I do to transmit the vision? It's like Sister Selena said, give up everything. And right now you have an opportunity and a privilege to lay down everything right here at this altar and give it to God. Or you say, you know what? I haven't been doing my part the way I should. Or maybe I just become relaxed. And you know what? It's time to step out because there's a generation that's hurting. There's a generation, as we see right here, just in our country alone, killing themselves. When I was in junior high, I never thought, man, that wasn't normal to want to commit suicide. But now at our life groups, our, our new gen is telling us, man, this one girl wants to kill herself. At easy school, a girl killed herself. Is that crazy or what? That's not normal. But that's what our youth are going through facing every single day. Drugs, suicide, fornication. Brother Ray Burrell said that it's a bigger deal for our youth to lose their phone than to lose their purity. That's what our youth is facing every day. It's become normal. I'm not going to let it be. And if you say, you know what? I'm not going to let it be either. Then I ask you, the altars are open. You can use anything, Lord. You can use me.